Hi guys, I'm your host Guillaume Cochois and you're listening to Tapis Rouge. Our guest today is a true Cirque du Soleil legend. Debra Brown has been choreographing more than 16 Cirque du Soleil shows over the past 30 years. She's one of the key players who really shaped the legacy of Cirque du Soleil. To put it simply, Cirque wouldn't be Cirque without Debra. I had the privilege to spend a moment with her and chat about the good old Cirque days, Cirque at the Oscars, and plenty of creativity gems. I hope you will find her words of wisdom as inspiring as I do. Here she is, the legend, Debra Brown. Hi Debra, and welcome to Tapis Rouge. Merci. <laughs> How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for making the time. Where are you calling from? I am just today. I'm just outside of Toronto on mm -hmm. a horse farm. Horse farm. That's amazing. Studio and out those windows, there's horses. Oh, that's awesome. Do you, do you have a place here or just here for holiday? Uh, this is my farm, but I also live in Montreal too. So. I come here. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, Debra, you have been the principal choreographer for Cirque du Soleil since 1987. Um, I, don't, I think that's not a title that is um, official, but I did a lot of shows since 1987, you could say. Yes. <laughs> How many shows did you do total? Oh, my God. I can never count because I... I think around 14, if you count, that I even inserted numbers in shows that I did not choreograph. For example, Elvis, the Bonkin Act, mm -hmm. and Trampoline and Drelion. So. Oh. so after the show were created, you came back just to choreograph certain acts? Yeah, if they invited me, yes. Oh, that's amazing. And if I may ask how... Did you first get in contact with Cirque? How did your Cirque du Soleil journey started? That's funny. I was living in Vancouver and I was an independent dancer and I was also working with gymnasts um, in North Vancouver. And we, I had been working with them for eight years. Many of them had made the Olympics. Now they were all, most of them were members of the national team in some shape or form. So I got to travel a lot and we also danced every day because, uh, and they did performances on the side when they weren't competing. And I felt like I had explored competitive gymnastics, the artistry of competitive gymnastics enough. And someone told me, oh, well, there's this circus without any animals that is coming to Vancouver. <laughs> and I had forgotten that they told me this. And I was riding my bike and I saw this big top that was there during the children's festival. I think it was in 1986. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I snuck under the big top at intermission and the second half was two hours long. And I thought two hours. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I thought, Oh my God, they need a choreographer. And I thought they're doing the same thing in circus as I'm doing in gymnastics. So I, the next day, all the individual performers were at expo performing and I gave the maître of ceremonies, uh, my card, Michelle Barrett at the time, mm -hmm. the ringmaster. 
And just I met a clown. Um, I guess the clown who suggested me uh, went back to Montreal was Michel Dollar. Yes, Michel Dollar, yeah, from Ratatouille. Yes, we sort of hung out that summer. We was, they were at Expo for the summer. Oh, God, I laughed all summer. <laughs> yes. So funny. And he told Guy Caron that he met this choreographer and they were planning on open, going to the U.S. in 1987. Mm -hmm. So uh, it just so happened that Andre uh, Simard was in his office and I had done work with the men's national team. And he said, oh, I know her. So it just kind of fell like that flowed. All the stars aligned. Kind of. Yes. So we started there. Yeah. And so you started working on their second production before they went to Los Angeles? I think, well, the, the production that they went to Los Angeles, I think it was actually their third. It was Cirque Reinvente. Yes, correct. And, yes, and then I, you know, had a, my audition was I had to help the bicycle act because they were going in January to Paris. Yes, to do the Paris Festival, the Festival Mondial du Cirque de Demain. Wait, so I did that. And then I met Franco. I remember first thing Franco said to me, where do you born? <laughs> I didn't speak any French and he didn't really speak English. And yeah, so we, that's how we started. <laughs> and so how did you work together if you, did, if you didn't speak the same language? Did you understand each other through movements and... You know, that's an interesting story because I, when I look back on it many years later, I realized I had to look. You know, I sat in many meetings where there were all these discussions in French and pretended I knew I understood, but I understood nothing. <laughs> but I learned, you know, I learned French and I'm so happy to speak French now. And uh, but yeah, we had to look. I had to look at what he was doing. And so I, then I would tell him, Jane, bonny day, and I had to show him. So we read the movement together, and through movement, we learned to communicate. That's so beautiful. Well, it's interesting. I think it uh, builds a sense of trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because did, did you know who Franco Dragon was before you started working with him? No, I heard that he was from Belgium and he, he was working a lot with um, performers on the streets, I believe, and in Comedia mm -hmm. Arte. And yes. Yeah, I just fell into it and he, we played like kids. So. And, and you, I guess, um, your partnership worked because you both worked on different Cirque du Soleil shows many times after that, because Franco Dragon did directed a lot of shows for Cirque after Cirque Réinventé, right? Yes, he did. And I was lucky enough to be there for most of them. All the ones that Franco did, I believe, not the film Alegria, but uh, yes, we did. Uh, from there, we went on to do Nouvelle Experience, Sultan Banco, Kidam, Alegria. Did I say Alegria? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there Ola Nuba? Wow. Yes. And how did your chemistry as artist and director evolve over time from that moment where you could not understand each other's 
all the way to developing a common language of artistry? That's a, well, that's a very good question. I think, you know, Franco is brilliant at working in the here and now Mm -hmm. and creating in the here and now. And I love that way to work. In fact, I think I love, I think I am that as well, working Mm -hmm. in here and now. And we, um, I, in my own journey, I always had a question, you know, I, I was a gymnast for 13 years, nine of those competitive before studying dance and then becoming a, a kind of a dancer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but um, I think that, you know, with uh, the questions that we asked and the way Franco works, where he pulled out the individual's you know, each individual and their talent that we sort of developed a spontaneous language of creation in the here and now, not just us, but along with uh, the lighting designer, the composer, Mm -hmm. and all of the Cirque artists. We sort of developed this being in the present moment and finding what moves us today. Mm And if it didn't move us today, then we had to keep searching because I think when, when I look back every day, we went home inspired. So mm. and intuition was a big part of it. Intuition, yeah. not afraid to explore. I had, you know, at this point, I think for myself, the biggest teacher for the circus was working with gymnasts. They keep, a floor exercise for two years mm-hmm. and a minute and a half. And these gymnasts, we were training five days a week and I was with them five days a week. So I think the best school is what to work on next in this minute and a half. Yeah. And I think that's the best school that I had to bring into the circus, you know, once I started and Franco you know, with his Commedia dell'arte and his ability to to not lock things down, but just to create pictures. It's beautiful. Yeah, nothing really set in stone. There were very few words shared about working together with the artists and with us. Like he'd always give me one simple word, like Kidam was simplicity. Mm-hmm. you know very simple words to create the whole show mm-hmm. there is something that strikes me when you're talking about not being scared of following your intuition while creating mm-hmm. because Cirque du Soleil is a big is a big company there are a lot at stakes when the shows are being created so I was wondering if you ever experienced the, pr- the pressure of creating for Circo, if you were, as you said, able to just follow your intuition and feeling free during the creation process? Well, I think you could say that I died many times. (laughs) Yes. And I burned myself out many times. (laughs) But the experience is what remains. And there was so much passion and love and commitment and so much connection with all of the artists 
that that's part of it. You give of yourself. I remember who mm-hmm. said one day, each day I come here with my pants down. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. I mean, we did. Like if, if there was an exploration in the afternoon, every afternoon, every morning was filled with ex- doing the technical work and working choreography with the acts. And every afternoon was exploring what is the show mm-hmm. with the artists, you know, and true to circus nature, it comes from the streets. Yes. Yeah. You know, and if you weren't, if you weren't able to communicate with an audience, you didn't eat couldn't pass a hat so yeah there is something with street arts that the audience hasn't planned to come to watch you perform they're just passing by so you have to find a way to catch their attention and to give them something that is enough for them to stop and watch you perform exactly yes and i think then the audience was carried every single day into mm-hmm. each rehearsal you you said you were very close with the artist how was your relationships with the artist during the creation did was it a very professional relationships or did you get to actually become close with them um, what's the definition we played together we mm-hmm. played and I, I was I'm very comfortable with acrobats because mm-hmm. I was in fact, I've always had this question, how can, out of simplicity and gymnastics, how can you touch the heart of the public? So, you know, I, I wasn't intimidated by their skill level. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So we had a, I think that we built a trust and through the work slowly, you know, in each show, we built a trust because we took a lot of risks took a lot of chances to dive somewhere where we were never. Mm-hmm. You're saying that Franco and yourself were very good at finding what's good in, in the individuals, in the artists. And it's something that I heard from artists who actually have been working with you. I, was talking with Oleg Uchakov, who was part of the banking in Kidam. And he told me that for the Kidam's act, that you really found a way to make this group move in the most perfect way for who they were. And he's, he was explaining me, he was telling me a bit of story about how you created that act and how just the word you choose and how you're communicating with them made them just, you know, the running, all the choreographing. And it's true that when you look at that act, I mean, still today, it's one of the best Cirque du Soleil act that was ever created. Wow. Thank you. That's a, you know, they're amazing acrobats. The bonking for sure. Yeah, they are. The bonking was, challenge because that was the first time that Cirque du Soleil ever created a Russian uh, slash Ukrainian act because there were Russians and Ukrainians. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The first time that um, Cirque du Soleil created it in Montreal, usually they would come with their act. Mm -hmm. So that was a challenge. 
big challenge. On a cultural side, you mean to have Russian and Ukrainian work together? No, just for myself to work with, well, there were two women and the rest mm. were men. Yeah. To work with, and once again, you don't know the language mm -hmm. and who am I to deserve the chance to work with these world champions, mm. you know? So it was finding a way to put uh, all of them together. And also they challenged me. I had to prove that they should follow me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You had to gain their trust. Yes. We found a piece of, you know, often it can come inspiration to connect a group can come from anywhere. It can come from a picture. It can come from music. Often it came from music with myself mm. because I love music so much. Mm. And in this case, we watched um, epi episodes from Alvin Ailey. Oh, okay. There's something in the feel of that piece that was uh, something in the invisible, you mm. know, that, that, and how they moved with such precision. Yes, absolutely. That was a movement takeoff springboard for us to meet. Mm. And we all, and once we were on the same page, and the word I had was simplicity. Mm -hmm. So there's not very much dancing with the acrobats, with the gymnasts, with the porters. And mm -hmm. How did you work with them on that side? That the fact that gymnasts are not necessarily dancers or like if they're straight out of gymnastic maybe the the, the stage and the, the artistry that comes with the stage is not necessarily a an instinct well i i never called it dancers i called them movers movers okay they are movers you know i was self-taught up until high school okay you know and uh in retrospect I didn't put myself into a box. I mm. learned good technique from Western when I competed for the gymnastics team and we had good coaches. And then I was really lucky because after that, I, I got a dance degree from York in Toronto and had a lot of attention spent on me because I could fly, but I couldn't plie. Huh, okay. I, and you know, I learned a lot. They said, Debbie, you stay after class. I have to teach you this tendu. Like, <laughs> it's here, it's here. <laughs> anyway, so I never, but I never thought like they're movers. Mm -hmm. We, I, I don't have a, I don't fit myself into a dance vocabulary. We would just find a way to walk. Sometimes it would be the music that would inspire us. Sometimes it would be the formation of the last trip that they did always with the word simplicity mm -hmm. it comes from many places you just have to keep your eyes and ears open yeah, you are not enclosed into teaching them how to do a proper plie no i don't think <laughs> anyone how to do a proper plie <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you get to choose artists before creation or do you get to have a saying in which artists are coming into play? Well, back then, I don't know how it is now at Cirque. The last show mm -hmm. that I was involved in, in with, with, with was Lucia. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But uh, back then, yes, we would meet around the table and there'd be some discussion. But for the most part, they had a pool. And for the most part, most of the artists were chosen. But I remember we did discuss around the table about the this bonking act. Okay. What would make you choose one artist over the other? What? Were there a special spark or like what, what would you see in an artist that would make you go, yes, that's, that's the one. Well, you know, my job wasn't so much in casting, but when I see an artist, when I feel the artist, I don't want to see the artist. I want to feel them. I want to feel the energy around them. Mm -hmm. And then I know, wow, that's something You know, if I can see the leg and see the développé or see a flip, but I want to feel the flip. And there's a subtlety. It's all in the trend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that subtlety, working on that subtlety with acrobats. Yeah. Like it's something that you see, but that if I understand what you're saying, that also you like to maybe try to develop that quality with artists to like, how can you transcend the movement to another level? Yes, and feel it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see, but you can feel. Sometimes I think people, you know, when you go to a really good rock concert when you were a teenager and you went home and you were flying high because you felt like you owned yeah, something. Absolutely. That yeah. self-empowerment is so subtle because if something has come hit home with you, I've always used that as a point of reference. Like, yeah. How do you, how can you teach that too? Because I, when you talk about the concert, I, I can feel that emotion without myself. I remember that emotion, but how can, from that point, how can I make, tr like share that emotion through my acrobatic vocabulary or whatever I'm doing on stage? Well, acrobatic vocabulary would be, You know, you have to look at the transition. Sometimes, you know, people see a trick, mm -hmm. you know, but what about as soon as they land that trick, what, what you can change about that trick that would give you a feeling of nostalgia or some kind of emotion or taking off for that trick. I mean, we did a lot of that with the contortionists, the, the, you know, the, the contortionists of New Ballet. Yes. Yes. Oh, you know, the transitions. Yeah. We, we kind of reinvented this idea of transitions in a way with the four girls. Oh yeah, and that act is also still such a classic. Like it's really, it's, and I remember the first time I watched that act, it was an older artist when I first started circus school who asked me, he said, hey, did you ever watch that act? And I said, no, I never, never heard about it. And when I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes like it was so good like and so relevant still after all these years oh thank you well i couldn't believe my eyes when i saw your trapeze <laughs> thank you from you it really it really means a lot thank you so much because, because you have all these surprise transitions and you know and did you ask yourself take the time for the details yeah and that's take yeah i mean it's and it's a thing also with uh, my partner, with Sarah, we spent hours and hours just for that 
finding that synchronicity, like us moving together. How can, yeah, it's, and it's a work that we never stop doing. Like we did after every show with Cirque, after every show, we were giving each other notes. We're like, oh, this is a bit better. Slow, let's slow down this part. That's this one a bit more sharp. Yeah. Watching the videos every day and the acting say, okay, this we need to change, this we can make better. And it's exactly like after seven years, eight years, you realize you're working on really like this tiniest, tiniest part. But it's I think that if it's true what you're saying, it's that work that really makes the difference. Yes. That I, that's so inspiring to hear. <laughs> that, and the fact that you still work on it because it's life. Yeah, it's true. It's life. Not something, if you keep it, you have to wake up every morning and you have to surprise yourself yeah. somehow and have, have a refreshing look, mm-hmm. yeah. even though it's an everyday thing. It's true. And I think what, what you're saying is very true. And it's something that I think can help a lot of, Cirque artists, because it's true that on one side you have a challenge as an artist to repeat this what you perceive as being the same show, the same act, but it's just a perception. Because as you're saying, life it's it's a, just a reflection of life. You wake up every day, you go through your days, but you're changing. So why wouldn't yeah. your artistic performance change as well? And it's that I think that active process to see how you can make that performance alive every day and being like a little reflection of life every day that makes it, that keeps it real for the audience shows after shows after shows. That's it. That's it. It keeps it real because you're so present in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all those shows that the artists were so present because I remember Franco used to sit down and say, artists have biggest job is to be generous yeah it's true be generous and so they gave of themselves so mm-hmm. their selves were in those shows to they owned it they own the stage and it's something about the air when you walk into the theater you feel it you feel it when life has taken place when all those people have you know brought a little piece of themselves yeah, it's almost it's like I often thought like years after the process, after Franco left the search, God, what we were really doing is building a sense of community in maybe the last three weeks building the show. <laughs> yes. A sense of community, a sense of rhythm to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, the worst thing is you get stuck with it and have an artist say, oh, well, that's not what you asked me last time. We just, we keep it moving yeah. like yeah, a river. It's, it's a practice really. In, in mm. an opposition to a sad decision. Yeah. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program and after six weeks, I got back on stage, but I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more 
I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. Do you feel that the shows and some acts were kind of your babies? Oh, there were so many. I, I mean, I, I was so committed. Mm-hmm. I was so committed. And uh, yeah, like a, there's moments that there's moments in time that I could reel off just like that, which was the Bonking Kidam, the power track in Alegria. Yes. The contortionist, and there was a, you know, the bungee and mistair, mm-hmm. and just the working on the details of when they're at the bottom of the swing. I remember how you grab the bungee and feeling my heart open, you know, mm-hmm. little movements where my heart would open. And I think working on that which is invisible, there's so many moments in so many shows. I think. I need to write a book and <laughs> to remember. How, what do you think about the evolution of Cirque since your beginning in 86 all the way to your, to Lucia, to the last show you've been working on? Well, I think it has evolved. I, you know, I'm not inside the Cirque, so I can't really speak about it, but I think that they have a limited amount of time to create. But I want to say, that sometimes it's not always about the time that it takes. Sometimes you can create magic in a very short period. Yeah. Sometimes it takes long. I mean, there is the technical aspect of the tricks, but sometimes that's not always what it is. I mean, I know the circus is way more technical mm-hmm. now, and they and they plan detail by detail out, and the. I don't know. Maybe the artists have to fit into it more. The the idea of the show. I, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure mm-hmm. because I'm not there. But it's. I mean, when Franco left and I started to work with other directors, I, you know, I've done opera mm-hmm. and 
film and different venues. And I work very differently than what I did at CERT. Okay. And it took me a little while to understand that I'm not working with Franco. We had the way to work and uh, I would you supply. You had your beats, you had your chemistry. You knew it was very natural way of working. And I would, you know, explore and find things that would be inspiring and say, Franco, look, and sometimes you'd latch onto it and <laughs> run with it. Like Bonkin, he had to change the whole show. Oh, yeah. Because it didn't fit anywhere. It didn't fit anywhere because it was <laughs> this piece. And Benoit wrote the music, I do believe, about five times. I can't be correct, but you have to ask Benoit okay. to find right music to find the right vibration and finally it was the music that had silence in it mm, to give yeah. space for the for the acrobats to fly and they used to tell me that they felt i'm getting off on a tangent now no go ahead, go ahead. Just, <laughs> you know they used to say when we fly and there's silence and just a bell and we feel like we're retouching the angels oh it's beautiful But like, for example, Franco, the number didn't fit. It was supposed to open the first part of the second half mm -hmm. and it didn't fit at the end. So that's when he added all this red. All the red in Kidam and the balloon. Uh, and, okay. You know, the soul of blood. Mm -hmm. It was a, a, a nostalgic depth that slowly evolved that was not so present in Kidam. It became that to serve the artists. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just that in itself, I think it's a little bit trickier to do when you have so many technical yeah. requirements and tighter schedule now, to follow. And Tighter schedule to follow, so, but it means you have to dance with everybody, the technical crew. Mm -hmm. and Yeah to dance with everybody like we did with O. Mm -hmm. Do you think the artists are from 20 years ago are different than the artists now? That's a question that um, I'd like to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I mean, you're, you grow up with what you've lived. Yeah, that's very true. And I believe with just cell phones and multimedia, it has changed, this, you know, the rapid changing of ideas and just becoming disinterested fast in an idea and mm. access to so much stimulation definitely changes how artists in. I know that. I know that a lot of artists want to know exactly what they're doing. And in most... Oh, so you mean that they want to feel secure? Do you think it's the insecurity? They want to know what they're doing right now. They're not as comfortable with what you're talking about at the beginning to be free to explore and to just follow the flow? I think that many people, maybe they give exactly what the artist is doing, which is probably a necessity of the timetable, you know, mm -hmm. but that, I mean, the artists always want to know what they're doing. Even back in those days, they wanted to know, but often it was not knowing that 
the birth of the birth of uniqueness came because once you know something, you put yourself in a box. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, there's a boundary. There's a boundary. Maybe you don't have to be, maybe it, there's a risk of being literal. You have to find a way to, mm-hmm. you know, um, inspire an artist. So I, I think that with the times have definitely changed, but I have not been around the circus since Lucia to really know mm-hmm. how it has changed. I mean, you know, yeah. And I think nowadays, even with, I think the pandemic specifically even brought an even more radical change in artists. You know, it's, I think a lot of performing artists are going to have to go through a proper recovery process because it's, you know, it's an event that all of a sudden we were not able to perform to train, to be with each other, like a lot of the, the artistry, but also of the lifestyle that goes around being a performing artist. You know, dancers were not able to go to class every day all of a sudden. So I think that's is an event that's gonna is going to affect artists in a different way. And I I, I think it it's difficult to say now that it's I don't think long-term is going to be necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just going to bring a new, just a new way of performing, or maybe it's going to bring the birth of new ideas of new, just new thing in the performing arts, but it's going to come out of a tragedy and a yet just traumatic event. Wow. That's beautiful. That's so well said. You know, I think the pandemic, I know it has deepened me and probably deepened most people because you can't go outside. So you go inside. And I think just in general, artists can go, can go inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's deepened and opened everyone's heart to a mm-hmm. different level. Things yeah. are found. Yeah. And I think it's going to, but it, I think it's going to be a process of, it's going to, take a lot of courage and daring from the artist to go use that and to use these things and to transcend these things into the stage. But I'm sure it's going to, it's going to be wonderful once we're going to start seeing that. That's how, that's what happened with Buto and um, the trauma of the yes. atomic bomb. These artists who use that, these events and yeah. transcended them into a new art form and i think there is a real potential with the pandemic to do the same thing i agree i agree and there's such a fragility you know yeah would you mind talking a little bit about your masterpiece of a show at the academy awards (laughs) yeah that was uh, probably 20 years ago i think uh, and i (laughs) so fortunate to have been able to do that and yeah you know was asked uh the circuit the idea was that you have these it was a tribute to special effects okay in film okay and they had approached Cirque because Cirque has um special effects just in human talent so the whole idea was to match films and 
acrobats together. Okay. And we had the guidelines of what acrobats would be available, you know, for the rehearsal and for the Academy Awards. And that was great. Yeah. So I worked with, worked with Lewis Cohen. Who okay. We collected film bits and then put them together. And oh, so you, you guys chose the pieces of yeah. films. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I chose, proposed that we use the music of Benoit from La Nuba mm -hmm. because it's, there's a lot of rhythm changes. And yeah, it's true. A lot so. Of, so that's how we did it. And so with Lewis and I, we created a collage based on the acrobats that okay. we had. It's kind of a multi-layer process. We worked with a split screen first and put the movement and pitched it to them. Oh, okay. Pitched it to, you know, the Academy Awards and the Cirque at the same time. And what was their response the first time you pitched uh, the whole concept? I think everybody was on board to support that direction, which was fantastic. <laughs> yes, I bet. That was, you know, what that was we had to create it all in our heads and because we had very little time staging, I think we stayed for three days in Orlando with some of the artists and uh -huh. then we moved to LA. Okay. And because it's also, it's a televised show, there are cameras present. So did you create the performance with that aspect in mind? Well, there was someone that Cirque had hired And she was in charge of working with the camera angles with the director. But I also worked closely with the director, Louis Horowitz. I believe his name mm -hmm. was the Academy Awards director at the time, which I love, mm -hmm. which I love that, you know, and, and all in all, there, there was a few camera angles that they missed because it was live. Yeah. Yes. And how, so you get to LA to the rehearsals and how was the whole process getting into the theater, doing the staging before the performance? I'm sure it must have been so exhilarating and exciting to be so close to that event. It was, it was very exciting, but somewhere you don't realize that you're there. Mm -hmm. Somewhere you don't realize that you're there because you're into what you're doing. Yeah. You're so focused on just getting it done <laughs> <Yes>. properly. <laughs> And there was so much work to be done in such a short time. And it, I can't imagine. And it, you know, it didn't come without its little errors that we had. You yeah, know, just sure. thing happened. we had to change, change some visual cues in the last uh, rehearsal before the dress rehearsal. So, you know, you're just so busy making sure because the timing for everyone with the bungees coming down in yeah, the theater. It's dress, true. You know, the, every the timing you're just focused yeah and i remember i saw paul mccartney walk walk past me <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh, oh hi. But you're so <laughs> and how did it feel once just when the show the performance was done well you know i'll never forget the one thing that i remember uh about the academy awards i got to sit in the audience halfway up just behind where the bungees fell. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget, you know, watching it is so hard because I'm also on stage with them, but I'll never forget Cameron Diaz yes. was in the 
girl. And she turned around and the childlike look on her face when she saw the bungees. I thought, okay, yeah, that's great. That's what I <laughs> Yes. That's what I post. And it's just remember true. all the amazing artists that were on stage oh, to yeah. make this happen. Buster Keaton and the trampoline yeah, wall. And amazing. Yes. I was stunning. Yeah. Like it was really like I just talking about it with you, I still feel so excited because I just I remember the first time I saw that performance. I was just so blown away. It was it was like <laughs> everything that's best at Cirque du Soleil, but but all at once in that power formula and with all the aura of the Oscar around it, it was just so extraordinary. Like really. And the music, the music was so climatic. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And you, you worked also, you choreographed a lot of video clip. You, you worked with Madonna, with Celine Dion, with Aerosmith. How, how are that type of collaborative works? compared to working with Cirque? Well, you know, uh, when I was a child, I used to, with the toilet paper roll, pretend I was a singer in the reflection of the kitchen door, you know? <laughs> and yes. uh, working with Madonna was was such a dream come true. I loved it. I loved it. I was really busy at the time with another contract in Quebec city. So I had to go back and forth and back and forth. And often that happened every time that I would do something in the music world in LA that I was busy. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. was very limited, but I jumped at the opportunity anyways. And I, I think if I wouldn't have been busy, here, I probably would have moved to LA and because I love music so much. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love working with music because it reminds me when you're a kid and you go home from that concert Yeah, and you're so empowered for days. Yes. When working on a video clip, do you start with the music? Like let's say with Madonna, you would receive the music and then you would have images that would trigger your creativity and then you share that with her or how how does the process works with madonna i worked on the drown world tour i mm-hmm. didn't work on a video with her and oh, okay. had to choreograph a big part of it to show her so okay. with her dance and she had to approve it but in this case she had to learn to fly ah oh. so also training because Madonna is very disciplined. Yeah. yeah. And she was wonderful to work with Jamie King, who's so yes. musical. Yes. So, and then once she approved it, then she would very efficiently put herself into it. But she's so disciplined, Madonna. And how was it to work with her on um, a type of physicality that is so close to circus with choreographing her how to fly? Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, she's, you know, she, she, she flew like, um, you know, what was like a ninja? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a, like a martial artist and was, you know, the artists, we also had a martial artist on staff to clarify all the, pres- the positions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Ho Sung Pak was his name, and oh. he was brilliant to oh. keep us. But she's so disciplined, and it was a it was a fabulous experience. I I loved it. I would love to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, I love music yeah. in general. Working with Aerosmith was a lot of fun. Uh, Aerosmith was fun. on their v- video clip, the jaded video clip that you worked on. And jaded for the American Music Awards. Oh. They won time achievement. So we did a live version. Okay. What was the live or the video? The live came first. Okay. And then we did the video clip. Huh. Yes. And how was it yes. to work with because it's a, a whole band. So do you was it any different to stage and choreograph a band with the fact that they have to be playing the instruments compared to acrobats that are a bit more free in terms of movements and yeah well, the only person I had to work with was steven tyler because mm-hmm. I, we had so many performers on stage that you know we had a week to rehearse that and the timing of when there was a backdrop of aerialists behind mm-hmm. him there was and dancers mm-hmm. lots of stilts beautiful costumes beautiful makeup Really elegant, sexy scene, I think. Yeah. But so we, you know, once again, you're just focused on the timing, getting it all together for the performance. And also, I worked with Shakira and Wycliffe at the World Cup. Oh, yeah. In 2006, right? uh, Yes, uh, in Berlin. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I remember we had choreographed for Wycliffe we didn't rehearse he didn't want to rehearse but we showed him the video we we created this for you <laughs> was he open the proposition he went out, did almost everything oh it's amazing you convinced he, he him went, what he said okay and he went out and used pretty much everything <laughs> so impressed amazing and shakira yeah. she was on board too well, she's a she's a fantastic dancer. Yes, she is. Yeah. So just yeah, I love music. You know, music is a message. Yes, it's true. And, and these musicians I, also they they make music that are reaching so many people. They are transcending language, culture. They they have people from all over the world who are coming together for them. So I think it's also a very powerful tool for yeah. humanity to come together exactly music is the message yeah i mean it's about communication right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, artist communication and uh i i read that you're a practitioner of pranayama and i, I wanted to ask you if if that practice was inspiring you in any way in your creative process? Oh my God. Well, I, I learned pranayama because I was in a car accident while living in Vancouver. Oh, okay. So I, I found a yoga class that the first hour was breathing techniques and the Mm -hmm. second hour yoga postures. Mm -hmm. So pranayama has always been a very important part of my life because it centers me and whenever 
I can't say that I've practiced regularly all the time, but I have to say that when I am practicing regularly, it makes a big difference in how you live inside yourself. Yes. You know, how you center and keep all of these centers on top of each other and just let the energy flow in your spine and staying home. Yes. That place called home, which is your center and breath connects you with that. Yeah. And how would you explain it to someone who, who is not familiar with yoga at all? Um, well, you might want to just give them a few exercises, like the very first mm -hmm. exercise in pranayama, where you breathe in through the left nostril, put your right mm -hmm. and then breathe out through the right. Okay. And then you breathe in through the left and then you breathe out through the, okay. you know, so it's just a cycle, a circle of breath. And I've given that to many artists just to stay centered. Mm. That's, that's beautiful that you're, what you're saying about just right now, what you're saying about the body and the fact that you dedicated your life to choreograph to work with to teach other how to use their bodies how to be more in tune i think it, it, it everything you say and the way you're explaining everything everything aligns perfectly it's wonderful <laughs> thank you would you have any advice for new artists or dancers or actors who wants to start their performing art journey I would say, start, go for it. <laughs> they just start and don't judge yourself. You know, if it's, if you have an intuition, follow it. Don't close the door on it because it's there for a reason. And if you keep on going, you know, sometimes, you know, you're, you are a sum of your experiences and you have to fall down. I mean, I've made so many mistakes. And fell down, yes. got back up, and like I say, died many deaths. And you just mm -hmm. have to keep getting back up again and just find a way. And it could be, you know, don't close your options off. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And every day, every day, discipline is really important, especially for dancers or movers, you know. Address it every day, even if you feel discouraged. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a monastic practice almost. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, I have one very last question for you. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? How would I explain Cirque du Soleil to them? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Cirque du Soleil, I would say <laughs> they're flyers, they're seekers, and they're brave. I would say that's a really good question. They're, move, they're flyers, they're seekers, and they're brave. And the, 
and they have a lot of passion. Hmm. Each. That's wonderful. Those artists have passion. <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> Thank you. I'll have to think about that. I might text you. I'll, I'll read. Yeah, of course. Please, please do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for coming and thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was great. She really is amazing, especially when she spoke about not getting stuck in our own process, to keep it moving and free like a river. It's a subtle balance to find. Sometimes more structure and sometimes more freedom. If you like this episode, please give it a good rating and review. Share the podcast on your socials with your friends, your family. Spread the word. It really helps Tapirouge growing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. All right, guys, take it easy. Rock the Casbah if you're performing tonight. And until next week... As we say in the circus, see you down the road.